You're listening to The Jack Skilly Show, brought to you by Hammer Media. Professional hockey player Jack Skilly chooses a different topic each season to explore hockey, sport, and life. On season two, he's looking at transitions and post-career identity. You can learn more about the show and find past episodes at hmmrmedia.com, including additional coaches' education and athlete development resources. You can also follow Jack on LinkedIn for latest updates from him. Now here's your host, Jack Skilly. Welcome back for episode two. Uh, we are covering post-career identity, and today, our, our this week, our guest is Mike Fisher. And Mike Fisher had a great, outstanding NHL career. He started in Ottawa, ended in Nashville, captain for both teams. And I, I rubbed shoulders through you know, a couple guys in in, uh, in the NHL. I met met Fish through him, and and uh, he's a great guy. So I'm I'm lucky. We're lucky to have him on the show and and talk about his transition into retirement. Um, Fish, thanks for joining us. Thanks. It's good to good to be on with you. Awesome. So, so Fish, why don't you talk about, you started in Ottawa. Where were you drafted? What, what, uh, what positions did you go in the draft? What was that, that situation like for you in Ottawa kind of heading into the league and the start of your NHL career, maybe just the fulfillment of a dream childhood dream. And can you kind of talk to our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, I, um, so I'd been playing in, in Sudbury Wolves, Ontario league and, after my first year, um, you know, I got drafted to Ottawa in the second round, 44th overall. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was nice to go. It was actually closer to Ottawa than, uh, Sudbury. So I was actually from my hometown of Peterborough. So all my family needed to say, we're just thrilled. I have other family in Ottawa actually. So, so going to Ottawa was, was, you know, was, was exciting for me. And, um, yeah, I, uh, then I went back one one more year, a junior, played in Sudbury, and then uh, then I made it as a 19-year-old. Um, thanks to Alexi Yash, and he held out for a little more money, so I snuck in and uh, got a spot somehow. And, and uh, yeah, I, I spent 11 years there. I, I loved Ottawa. Um, it was it was a great place to play, and still got lots of good friends there. And um, like I said, having family and friends close by, it was kind of like playing. Well, Toronto's a little closer, but it's kind of like playing, you know your hometown almost, uh, you know, which was, which was really cool. So, um, yeah. And then, then I got traded to Nashville and, um, which was, uh, which was a blessing too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Can you talk to you a little bit about what, when, when were you first made captain in Ottawa? That must've been a pretty cool highlight in your career. Well, I was assistant captain there for years. I, I couldn't tell you how many I, I, what I did. Alfredson was our captain, which I, I learned, from him he was a great captain and um but yeah i was assistant captain for i don't know five or six years maybe uh in ottawa and then i got the chance to be captain in uh my last year last full year in in, in nashville so yeah okay so i got that wrong but that's that's cool so still part of the leadership core and and uh, i'm sure you learned a lot from alfred's in there and so that transition to Nashville, I know obviously your wife, Carrie Underwood, famous musician, um, that, that switch to Nashville must've been just perfectly ideal for you and your family. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, it was one of those things that, um, you know, we were supposed to, so we got married in 2010, um, July, I was still playing in Ottawa. We were kind of going back and forth. Obviously she's busy with her career, but that's, that's the way we dated and that's kind of all we ever knew. And, um, but then we, we, that 2010, 11 season, we were supposed to have a good team in Ottawa and we ended up just tanking for some reason, you know, I was having a bad year. And, um, so I remember in Calgary, I got the, got the, uh, come on over here from the, from the GM and we went in this room and I had no idea. I mean, I'd heard a few rumors, but I'd had no idea, um, that, you know, I was going to be traded. And so he's like, I got good news and bad news. And, uh, that was Brian Murray at the time. And he's like, you've been traded and your heart kind of sinks. Like, Oh my goodness, you gotta be kidding me. And then, um, then he's like, well, good news is you're going to Nashville. And I was like, okay, 
that'll work. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, awesome. a lot of people thought Carrie had something to do. She had a lot of power within the league and the team to, to get me traded, but that's actually not true. <laughs> but yeah, I actually I thought I was one of those guys. I didn't think it was, it was Carrie as much as it was maybe you just trying to make things work for, for your family and, and all that at that point. And no, that's, I, I uh, that's getting, pretty neat. Yeah. I remember getting a call after from our owner, Eugene Melnick. And he's like, um, you know, I just decided that, you know, with the season we're having, we're going to change things up and rebuild. And I, I wanted you to go be with your wife in Nashville. And it was like, holy cow, thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's really so, cool. That's really cool, cool of them so. for doing that for you. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, so then you went to Nashville. You played how many years in Nashville did you play? Uh, 2011, I played seven I don't know if you count the cup of coffee for the end of the playoffs, but, um, I guess seven and a half years, I guess. So, um, yeah. Okay. And so you started at the end of that, actually this, it was probably the, uh, seventh year. That's when you first started kind of thinking you were done and and you're, you're going to start retirement, right? Yeah. I'd actually thought a year before I retired the first time, um, that was Carrie's tour year. We just had Isaiah. So it was 2015 or 16 and man, like I, with her gone and, you know, I got my little man, you know, starting to walk and say words and, and, you know, some months I'd put him to bed a handful of times. It just killed me. So I, I'd actually considered it a year before. And then I, I was working out kind of praying and figuring out, you know, is this really what I want to do? I still had a year left on my deal and and then I had a conversation um, with one other guy and my teammates were working out in the summer and I just felt like, you know what, I need one more year. I feel like that's, I can't, I can't shut it down yet. And uh, that was the year that we ended up going to the cup. And then I knew after that I wanted to, to retire. I went through a process of figuring that out and, um, and, you know, kind of took, took a little time, but um, felt like that's what I needed to do. And, but yeah. So, yeah, I remember watching that year. You guys were, your team was so stacked and and it was like, I was, I thought for sure you guys were going to get the cup that year. Um, So I, I, I can, uh, I was, I remember watching that and just thinking, I wonder if fish is going to go back one more year because just you guys were so close at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, cool. So you, you mentioned your faith just now and I know that's a huge part of your life and and it's a big part of mine as well and um I I know some of our listeners might have the same faith as us and can you kind of just talk about that for a second um give you that platform to to talk about it and maybe share what you want to share but letting kind of you know letting God steer steer the wheel uh, mm-hmm. on that decision. I know it was a really big life decision for you and your family. And <laughs> what was that like for you in terms of your faith? Yeah. Well, it, it, it's one of those things that I, I'm trying to separate my head and my selfishness from, okay, God, what do you want? And I, I was, tra- that was kind of my, my thought process, uh, after we went to the finals, um, and, and just praying through, okay, God, am I really supposed to retire? Do you have other things for me? What does that look like? And then there's the, you know, head of, and then there's, you know, I was trying to separate, okay, money. I don't want that to be a factor. I don't think, well, because my wife's working and makes good money, that didn't need to be a factor. I didn't want it to be a factor. And also um, winning a cup. I tried to separate that, although, you know, I didn't want it just to be about winning a cup because that's not, shouldn't be the reason and the purpose of why I'm playing. It should be, okay, God, maybe God's got something much better than a cup for me that I don't know if I do retire, which ended up being the case. In a long story short, um, I ended up retiring. I felt like that's just, God had kind of taken some of that desire away. And I think sometimes he'll speak to us through through desires and passions and in in certain ways and um so i just decided to retire and then it was one of those years where we were dealing with a lot of um stuff we'd had some miscarriages we uh carrie had an accident and and it was just clear that i needed to be home during that time in the fall and so i was glad i had retired and i think that's why you know god led me to do that and then um 
you know, after that, we kind of got through that in the fall. And then um, Coach Laviolette had asked me in December if I'd consider coming back um, that next year. And I, I was like, no, nah, not a chance, you know, not a chance. And then I went home and talked to Carrie and, you know, didn't really think much of it. And then another month later, um, uh, Laviolette asked again, He's like, we need to know by a certain time. And I started thinking and I was kind of figuring out, you know, if I really want to do this and, and, uh, you know, Carrie, Carrie was all on board cause they, our family was at home. She was at home with, with Isaiah and things had you know, gotten better at home. And, and, uh, so just decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I can do this and come back. And I hadn't skated at and rarely, I didn't barely work out either. Um, a little bit, but so I decided to, to come back and give it one more shot. And I think that helped my transition too. And I'm glad I came back and we, we didn't, you know, we, we made second round, didn't win, but it was one last, okay. I knew for sure it kind of helped ease me into transition because I'd already had, you know, eight months off of not playing. What, what's it like? Um, so I had a kind of taste. I think that helped, but, um, that being said, my, the transition was helped definitely by, by my faith and knowing that, you know what, um, my identity can't be locked up in, in just being a hockey player and being, um, you know, that, and and I knew that, but, and <clears throat> it's easy to say, but you got, you got to go through the process of, you know, something so big in your life is gone. How do you, how do you deal with that? How do you, I knew that, I had so many other passions too. I like to hunt and fish as much as I like to play hockey, which I really helped. Um, and also, you know, having two boys at home, um, knowing that, you know, I'm around for them now really makes that, I, I know that's part of, you know, my, uh, my purpose now and being a good dad and, and, you know, showing, showing them the faith that I have in Jesus. That's, has to be the number one thing in your life in my, in my opinion and, and what I've tried to do and I've made mistakes and I've, you know, haven't done it right sometimes. And, um, hockey's become a God, especially early in my career. And, and if, if hockey or a job or a thing or even a wife or a child becomes a God, you're always going to be disappointed. And that's been my, the case for me. Right. And I've learned that. And, um, only God can, fill a hole that we're all looking for in our lives. And, um, that's what I tried to focus on when I, when I, when I retired and, and, and it's not always easy. Um, but it definitely helped kind of transition into, okay, I'm not this hockey player anymore. Uh, what am I, you know, well, mm -hmm. what does God say I am first of all? And I think trying to be confident in who you are, for me, who am, who, who am I in my faith? And also I, I've been given so much and, you know, I have this, you know, I have this thing in my room that says the chief end of man is to glorify God. And that's, that's our purpose and not, not, you know, hockey's a great sport. There's so many great things that we can use as tools, but um, it can't be just a job or a, sport or a person that other than, than God that, that, that fulfills that. So that was kind of the process of retiring and trying to, you know, just figure out what, what's like, I mean, you know, you play hockey for so long and you, um, you do something for so long. And then all of a sudden it's like, I, I don't have a schedule anymore. <laughs> I got to yeah. make my own schedule. That was the transition for me. It was like, man, I'm getting, you know, fortunately I had lots of offers to do, you know, TV stuff and, you know, within the game and all this stuff. And, and, but I was like, man, I, you can, I needed time and, uh, just to figure out what's it like not to play. What do I, you know, what, what do I really like to do? And I knew, you know, I, I love the outdoors and I think, you know, that's what I enjoy doing and, and being home with family. I get to take my son to school, you know, every day, um, you know, which is, which is awesome. I get to be able to travel with, with our family, you know, with my wife's schedule. And I mean, you can't, I'm not going to get these, 
these years back with my kids. So that's right. definitely a blessing for sure. Yeah. Cool. And I, and that's the thing too. I totally empathize with that whole situation. Cause myself, I, I, I took 10 months away from the game. Um, and I, it, you mentioned a way back that your passion for the game kind of dwindled and then other passions started rising in your heart. And it was almost for me that this identical, I personally just didn't have that love for the game anymore, at least playing it. And out of kind of nowhere, this passion to coach and, and serve kids and, and help them become better hockey players, maybe help parents get a better idea of what youth development looks like for their kids locally here in park city. That was like a massive passion for me and same exact thing a coach that actually is from park city here he's coaching over in germany it, kind of like the laviolette thing with you had had called me and said you know we, we could use your help in, in making a playoff push and i at that point my my baby boy leroy was just born it was like i think he was one week old and i i was i was there's no way i can leave you know i was just like there's no chance that i can go over to germany and, and talking with my wife sarah about it the same thing. It was, she, she basically said, and the coach said that you have, this is a win-win, you know, you go back and you, it either lights up that flame again in your heart to play the game and, or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, then you know that, that you'd made the right call and go back into retirement and, and ride off yeah. into the sunset. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was the opposite for you. Like I, I, I went back and had a, had a great time. My family had a great time. They met, met up with me about uh, a couple weeks later in Germany and we loved it. So, and we're going back for a couple more years. And, and so I can totally em- empathize with that and appreciate that process you went through because leaving your family or going back into that hockey world can be, uh, it, it was, a. Uh, a little scary. Uh, they're, they're, how, how's your family going to react to it? Am I going to lose vital family time? Am I going to lose out, miss out on time with my, my son and things like that. And I, I know that that must've been a really hard decision for you guys, but you had mentioned your other passions and you'd mentioned, you know, you're hunting and fishing. I know you have a, a, a brand called uh, catching deers. Can you kind of mm-hmm. share what, how that came? I know it's kind of a funny story. How, how you guys mm-hmm. got that name, how that, that brand started. Can you kind of share how you got into that? Yeah. Um, I have a hunt camp in Kentucky. Um, we go deer hunting. Um, and it, it's, uh, it's a couple hours from Nashville and, and the early seasons always started before the hockey season. So I could get in, uh, you know, a long weekend, it's usually first weekend in September. And so we'd always, you know, bring buddies and my brothers and stuff up there. And, and then one year we had a friend of ours, his name was Austin and he'd come into camp and he'd, he'd never hunted from the city and just walks in the door and he's like, y'all catch any deers. And, you know, as hunters, we, we hear, we've heard that many times and we just carved them, you know, for the whole year. And then my brother made up hats the next year. It was just, just standard foam trucker with catching deers on it. We started wearing these hats and, and, uh, people asked hunters would stop us like, man, where do you get that hat? And then we knew we were onto something. So we got the website, got everything started a company with t-shirts and we wanted to bring humor to, to, to the outdoor world too, because sometimes, you know, watch hunting shows and I'm not saying they're bad, but sometimes they're, you know, they lack humor and, you know, lightheartedness. You know, we take, or one of our slogans is we take our hunting serious, but ourselves lightly. And we love to laugh. And, and my brother, Bud, who's part of the company, um, he's a great writer. He's a great actor. Um, so he did a lot of funny videos, which contents really driven our, our business. But, um, we we're all Christian guys that want to spread, you know, you know, the, the good news of Jesus. We also love the outdoors. We love to make people laugh. And, you know, we started this outdoor apparel company. So we sell hats and t-shirts and outerwear and all that stuff. But, um, but also has another character that, um, his name's Rut Daniels. So he helps, uh, you know, create content for us. And he's basically like, he's, I never, you know, my brother, Bud, he's always been ever since he was four or five years old. It's like, man, this kid's going to be an actor. He loves movie quotes. He's good. You know, he's funny. He's, you know, but I never, as a younger brother, he's seven years older. He's like, he's, he kind of was that young, annoying younger brother that really wasn't that funny. Well, Rut Daniels comes along and I think he's hilarious finally, <laughs> but he, he is, no, he, he's, he's talented, but we have fun. We, 
it, one of the things with hunting that I love and it, and you'll find funny, uh, Skilly is at my hunt camp in, uh, in Kentucky, I made, I made a locker room. So we all have our stalls with our name tags and that's where we get ready to go out to hunt. So it's kind of, and we jabby, it's just like a hockey locker room, but it's at the hunt camp. And man, we, we, we have more laughs and, you know, and good times. So that helped too, like the transition of, you know, one of the things you miss most about the game is you, you know, you're around guys every day, all the time you're jabbing, you're having fun. If you don't get that, I found like I was, you know, inadvertently jabbing my wife, trying to make fun of her because there was I had no one else to, and that, and she's a good sport, but still it's like, you need that. You need guys to be around to, you know, to have a good time to laugh. And that, that's what the hunt camp has been a good transition for me. And, you know, I kind of made it like a locker room at, at the hunt camp and I enjoy going on other trips and stuff. And I'm um, just got about back from a, from an elk trip. And, but all that to say, you know, one of the things I missed too, that's helped that I, I love now that I, I could never do before when I was playing is, um, do Bible study groups with other men. And I got mm-hmm. a couple of different groups now that I'm able to meet early in the mornings regularly, you know, which you can't do when you're playing, you know how it is, but, um, that's right. really helped me. And, um, you know, with family, with marriage, with, uh, with, you know, my walk with the Lord. And that's something I always encourage. I mean, you know, the lone wolf in the wild he dies very quickly. He can't, he can't survive, but a pack of strong men or women together. I mean, it's unstoppable. And that's, that's what I would encourage, you know, listeners and people to do is get get around like-minded people and that are going to help encourage you, lift you up, make you a better person. And I've been, God's blessed me with some really good people. I mean, we have a good mutual friend in Tim Burke. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm able to see him regularly now too, which has helped. And I'm but, um, yeah, <laughs> Timmy's awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's and 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 just to go back to just to maybe promote your brand a little bit. Can can the, our listeners go to uh, what is it catchingdeers.com? Is it that simple? Yeah, catchingdeers.com and they can get all our content videos if they want to laugh. Um yeah, they can they can go there. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. And that's that's cool that you bring that up just the support that you have around you. I think that's so important for this, especially just anybody in any career transitioning out of something they've been doing for so long and then they go into that transition period and it's for me, I think it my opinion on it, it usually lasts I would assume around 6 6 months to a year of a transition. And if you don't have a support um staff during that um transition, whether it's just your family or immediate family or some close friends that can tell you the truth and, and help mm-hmm. you through that process. Uh, it, it can be pretty, pretty alien, uh, alienating. And, um, I think that's, it's dangerous, you know, alienating yourself from, from the rest of the world or, or friends, um, that can tell you the truth and, and help you during yes. that, that transition. I think that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up and, and, and just, it's pretty obvious to the topic that I really want to bring up today is the idle part of it and, and being idle as a human being is never good. For me, it's, it's not good. And I I think I can, I think most people that are listening can agree with that. We need something to do. And I think the stigma attached to professional athletes or celebrities is they have all this money. So when they retire, they're good. They can play golf every single day. They can do whatever they want for the rest of their lives. But I think that's a slippery slope. I think you still need your passions. You need to follow your passions and those passions are going to change. And, and I don't want to be insensitive to anybody listening that doesn't have um, a comfortable pillow to lay on as far as money goes yeah. going into retirement. But um, at the same time, I think a good way, at least I learned during my transition period, uh, my 10 month hiatus was if I'm focused more on money and making money, I'm going to be, unhappy i'm not I'm, mm-hmm. it's like it's almost like it's futile because it's money money goes just as fast as you get it so i realized pretty quick and i'm, I'm fortunate i did that i, I was kind of going after fulfillment more than anything and making sure that i was pursuing my passions and and serving and i think through service uh i was going home from either a group workout which i still run 
a free group group workout here in park city. And I kind of use that as my off season training now, because at this stage, and as you know, it's, I'm 33 years old. It's more about maintenance mm-hmm. than, than it is about building up. They're young buck, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm old when here. it comes to the, yeah. <laughs> I'm old, I'm old when it comes to the hockey world, you know that. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. um, you know, this, this free workout group is great and, and walking away from it, knowing that I serve these people and help them, uh, help them feel better. <laughs> that's fulfilling being on the ice with kids. Mm-hmm. That's fulfilling. And I think that's yeah. so valuable. Yeah, no, I, for sure. And I, I'm reminded as you talk through, you know what you just said i I read a book years ago because i think you know as as athletes you know um as you know even professionals people it's like okay if i can put in 10 years i can retire i always said when i was you know 19 years old if i can play till i'm 35 i can retire and i'll have a great career i'll be grateful and then you can do whatever you want to do and that's kind of the mentality. That's the mentality I had for a long time till, till towards the end. And I read this book. It was called, and I forget the author. I wish I knew the author, but it's called Don't Waste Your Life. And I remember this part of the book. It said, you know, this, just sit, you know, everyone wishes they could just sit on the beach and retire at 60, 55, 70, whatever. Go retire somewhere on a beach. And, but most people, when they retire and slow down, they run into health problems. They, you know, because they don't have a purpose as people, we all need a purpose. Um, and, and like you mentioned serving and that's, that's huge. It makes you feel, I think God created us, um, to serve other people. And that, that fuels a passion to want to do more. It feels good. Usually it, it, it's better for you than the people you actually serve. And, but if our main goal is to just retire and hang out and do nothing, I guarantee you won't be satisfied. You'll be disappointed. And that's what, that's been the balance for me because I'm, I can do, uh, I'm fortunate that I can do whatever I want to do, but I want to make sure that it's something that's, you know, God wants me to be doing. And right now, one of the biggest things is raising my boys to have a heart for, for the Lord and, and, you know, pouring into their lives every day. And, um, you know, just pointing people towards the Lord and, and, you know, wherever that goes, I'm not sure, but, um, and I love vacations. I'm not bashing, you know, retirement and having a retirement home or any of those things are fine. But if that's what we're always looking forward to, we need stuff to do. I mean, I need as men and women, we need stuff to look forward to, to, to fuel our soul. And for me, that's, that's God and, and finding out and listening to what, what does he have for us? How do I, for me now, I mean, when I was a kid, I could not stand, um, speaking in front of people. It was just my, one of my greatest fears. I mean, I would try and fake sick as a kid. So I didn't have to go give speech at school in front of, you know, 20 classmates. It was just, but now I find myself, God's given me his platform and to speak in front of groups of people that I never, ever imagined. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And it, but it stretches me and it's not still not my comfort zone, but I, I know I have to rely on God to, to help me and speak through me and encourage people. And, um, and I still will shy away sometimes from doing it, but I know, and when I do it, it's like, okay, God, I know why you've given me this, this passion, passion, you know, I have a passion for him, but also to share my story. Um, and he gave me a platform through the game of hockey. And I need to share that to encourage people because I've had so many people in my life do the same for me and encourage me along the way. And, um, that's where, and, and it feels so good. If you know that that's, that's your wheelhouse, that's why you're here. And like I mentioned, it's for me, it's being a good husband, being a good father and, and trying to point people towards having a faith. And that's, that's the answer. That's the purpose we've all been given, I believe. And I don't do it always good. I mean, I, I made mistakes along the way and I've sometimes, I, you know, get stubborn and, but that's the beauty of, of God. He's there with his open arms saying, just, just come to me. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the story. So. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
that's awesome. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And, and I know our culture, especially in America, we, you touched on a, a pretty great topic just about, you know, if I make this X amount and I do this and that, then I can retire and I can go do whatever I want for the rest of my life. I have a buddy in Denver that has been saying that probably for the last six years, he's like, I got, you know, one more year of this real estate game that I'm playing right now. He's, he's a real estate uh, developer in, in Denver and he's made a killing since the, you know, since 2008, uh, yes. the big boom in Denver. And, and every single year it's the same thing. It's like, Oh, this is my last year. This is my last year. This is my last year. And this is what I got to save. And this is what I got to have. And, and I just, I kind of get a chuckle out of it now, out of it now, every time he brings it up. Cause I'm like, dude, you're, you're just, you love it so much. And you just love kind of being busy and, and doing that. And I don't know if you really fully grasp the idea of having one or two projects a year, if that, yeah. when he does decide to retire, if he can actually manage that, because it's, it's really hard to do when you don't have yeah. a lot on your plate and now you got to create things and you got to. I read a great book as well. And it was Laird Hamilton, the pro surfer. He's got a, he's got a book out and I can't remember the title of it. It's always kind of a long, long title with his books, but he's, he's, he's turned into a pretty good businessman himself. And he, one of the things he brought up in his book is just having a lot of irons in the fire. And a lot of those irons are probably not going to last. And, but just having as many irons in the fire as possible, especially during a transition period and just seeing, what passions stir up and what, what, what things stick and, and maybe deciding that yet yeah, this, this thing is doing really well, but I'm not passionate about it. Uh, it you, at, in retirement, you have an opportunity really to follow your passions and really enjoy that part of your life. And like you said, like that, that book, don't waste your life. And um, I think that's so important. And there's one thing that I want to want to talk about though, that you had mentioned in our kind of pre-interview yesterday was uh, the pride factor of you now you went from being this successful professional hockey player and you had mentioned that you not you weren't a fan of the limelight which i appreciate um but then you go into retirement and you now are not the the breadwinner in in the house anymore you're basically you're you're taking a back burner kind of role and can you kind of talk about that pride, how, how you set that pride aside and maybe just, uh, coped with that. And, and not only the grieving process of leaving your NHL career, but also having to enter in the zone of, um, maybe your role isn't as big as that anymore. And, and, and that's okay. Yeah. I think it's, you know what, the, the transition of, okay, not, you know, cause it, the world, I, I guess it's, you know, all of a sudden I'm not, I retired, not making the money. I was, my wife still is, you know, as a man, um, you know, we all want to be that, you know, maybe it's pride, that primary breadwinner the you know, but I think over time it was okay. How do I, I'm no longer in the limelight. I'm no longer, which I'm totally fine with. I think it took little time to get comfortable with, I don't need hockey. I don't need the money. I don't need those things because I know they don't fulfill. I know they're, they're great things. They're great tools, but they don't truly fulfill. But how do I, and I, I'm not saying I, I always do this well, but my focus was, okay, my wife's on the prime of her career. How do I help her lift her up, uh, be a good husband, be a good dad that switched to, okay, think about hockey over here, you know, everything I had, but think about husband, family, what's more important that I'm a good husband, that I lift my wife up, that I help her, that I, um, and I've learned because sometimes it's, you know, sometimes I can be overcritical. Sometimes I can be, and then it's like, Hey, how do I love my wife? Like Christ loved the church. How do I lift her up? You know, we all know in marriage, we don't agree on everything. My wife actually does not like hunting. She can't stand it. I love hunting. Figure that one out. Only God can figure that out. But we No kidding. Yeah, that sounds like a battle. So it it was a battle, especially early on. And, and, but, you know, so it kind of, it's like, okay, put aside, how does God see me and what, can I do best in my family, my role? Thank goodness. I don't, you know, 
I can retire and I, I don't have to think about money. And I know that's, you know, I'm grateful for that, but also that with that comes a lot of challenges that people don't, don't see too, you know? So more money, more problems. That's, you know, that, that's real too, but, um, but definitely grateful. It's a tool and we try to steward it the best we can. But, um, yeah, that was definitely a pride thing, I think. Cause it's like in that transition. But, um, when I kind of focused on, okay, and realized how God sees me and my new role now is way more important than my old role of just being a hockey player. And that's kind of, that's kind of a cool thing when you think about, when you think about it. So absolutely uh it's really cool too that you kind of you share that and um obviously it's it's super genuine and uh it's something i respect um about you as a man you know just getting to know you a little bit over the last couple of years you, you invited a handful of us guys uh over to your 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 compound uh, <laughs> i like to call it it's pretty sweet you know they you thought it was a thousand acres of land just outside of nashville you got your own man-made pond and and uh you know atvs and and uh now you got horses right and and yeah. just yeah. like a, a super cool property to you know i know craig smith um one of my good buddies playing for nashville right now he, was, he called me the other day he said he was heading over to your place to to fish on the pond so just a cool cool spot to hang out and and uh really really nice of you to kind of open those doors to other guys and especially you know the bible study stuff just just opening that door your heart to those guys and, and helping them and I'm, I'm just like you said i'm sure it helps you more than it helps them at the end of the day but um, one topic that I do want to talk about, I remember Tim Burke, just cause we have that mutual friend and he's so awesome. Um, yeah. he was sharing it with me at one point, um, cause we got really tight, but I am sure our listeners might be thinking like, how did these two meet? Like how did Carrie Underwood meet, uh, Mike mm-hmm. Fisher, how you know, vice versa, you know? And, and, um, I, I think it's a really cool story. If you're willing to share it, um, it, it would be awesome. I think for our listeners to hear it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I met Tim years ago through hockey ministries and we've become good friends. And, um, so Tim, Tim was, um, friends with some people in Christian music in Nashville and, um, Carrie's band leader, uh, Mark Childers, uh, was, ended up being friends with, with Timmy. So we had mutual friends and Tim just happened to mention one time, he was like, you know, if you ever want to meet Carrie Underwood, you know, I can probably set it up sometime. And, I remember the first time he said it and, and actually he was coming, I think he said it cause she was coming to Ottawa. That's when I was playing in Ottawa in 2008, I think it would met in 2008. So anyway, I was like, ah, not that I didn't want to, but I was like, ah, nothing will happen. No, I'm good. So I passed on the Ottawa show and then I don't know if it came up again, whatever. And he's like, and she was coming to Toronto that fall in 2008. So, I was like, you know what? I had a day off so I can drive to Toronto. Let's do it. So I go with a buddy and he sets up, uh, for me to go to the show and, and, uh, and meet her, you know? So I'm thinking, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go backstage, meet her on the butt, whatever, you know, with my buddy. And, you know, it's going to be eat. Well, sure enough, she puts me in meet and greet. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So I go, no, you got to go through meet and greet. So I go with my buddy through meet and greet. And I'm trying to be the last in line, you know, get the most time, you know, you know, she put you right in your place right away. Didn't so, she? Yeah. Yo, man. So anyway, <laughs> I'm going, I'm trying to get last in line to meet and greet. And sure enough, one of the Leafs players comes in behind me with his little four-year-old daughter. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So we're, we're rivals with the Leafs at the time. So he's like, what are you doing here? I was like, ah, nothing. So, <laughs> So, but basically I'm the only grown man there that doesn't have a little kid with, <laughs> with, um, uh, with them. But anyway, so we meet then, uh, talk for a couple of minutes and, um, went to the show. That was before the show, the meet and greet. And, uh, but her, th- her thought process, which I, I mean, I get it, you know, she meets lots of people. She's like, well, if he's weird, you know, I don't have to hang out with him more than just meet and greet picture gone, you know? So it was like a quick filter, let's, let's try this first. <laughs> so anyway, that's great. We ended up, uh, smart. Yeah, She's very smart. Yeah. That's yeah. It was, it was a lot of pressure for me at the time, but, um, but I knew, I mean, going in, it's like, you know what, God, if this is something you want, great. If not, it's not your plan, but, right. um, right. 
but at the same time we yeah we went out after this show with uh with her band and we just went out for dinner and um then we you know then we talked that we didn't really have a real date uh, we talked on the phone for about three months and then she came for new year's 2000 uh when all oh, 10 or nine i guess and that's when we really had our first date so but by that time talking on the phone which is nice we feel like we really knew each other you know and uh so we, yeah we started dating then and um you know so for our buddy timmy i always you know we go out for lunch i always get his lunch and i get mark they set it up i'll get his dinner you know i feel like i owe them <laughs> but no it was that that's how it all went down so yeah that's awesome it's it's it, and and i i appreciate that i'm sure she she had to be protective of herself and you know what she was going through in her own career and make sure that you know you were the the right guy and and you yeah. could handle that i mean and, and maybe that's a good segue into this next question is is initially it must have been pretty challenging for you to kind of deal with that i mean you're obviously the limelight in the nhl is is big but i can't even imagine how big it is for her on, on that stage that she performs on and, and dealing with the fans that she has and, and the media that, that comes with it. Um, I'm sure that was kind of a, a, a massive eye opener for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's a different world. Um, definitely even than an athlete for me, but um, one of the things I like best about my wife, one of, one of, one of the things is you know, she doesn't, she doesn't crave the limelight. She really actually, doesn't like it um she is really genuine down to earth she's shy she doesn't like believe it or not she just really doesn't like big settings of people um but you know she you know she she loves to be (laughs) she loves to be at home she loves to be in her garden she loves to get eggs from her chickens like that's she loves to cook which is i love i love about her she did she doesn't like, you know, you know, that's her job and God's given her that crazy gift and she's using it well, but she loves to be at home with family. She just loves to hang out and have a glass of wine and, you know, pick stuff out of her garden and just do normal stuff, which is what I love about her. Um, so that's, you know, and that, that's made it easier for me to, to support her because I know she's not in it for fame. She's not in it for, she loves to sing and she's got a crazy gift and, um, she works, my goodness, she works. Do <laughs> you think those autograph sessions that we do for hockey, like hour long or little photo shoots that are half hour? I mean, she does these all the time and a lot of them are all day long. Like, I don't know how she does it, but yeah, she I can't, doesn't can't complain and, it, and it's just, but she's, that's, that's just what she does. She works real hard and, but she loves being at home, which is what, what I love, you know, about her too. And she loves living in the country and, um, yeah, that's, so, yeah. That's, that's really cool. That's good for our listeners to hear too, because like, like I said, it always goes back to that celebrity culture mentality that we have here in America. And all we see is what the media puts out there and we don't, people don't understand that these, these people that, that live on the stage or that perform on the stage, not live on the stage, but perform on that stage and, and have to deal with that limelight. They're, they're also human beings. They also like the simple things and, and uh, it's easy to forget. And it's easy to forget that, um, that important factor. And mm-hmm. um, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. I think we covered pretty much everything. I, I, I know that this, this topic is, is rarely discussed. I think it's super important uh, just for, for anybody in any career path, whether in your, if it's a career you were passionate about for your whole life that you're leaving and you're heading into something new or even just transitioning between small little careers here and there or just trying to f- pursue your, your passions or find your passions even. And I think that question of, that you said way early, what am I, what am I now? What is, what's my identity now? Um, mm-hmm. is such a vital question and, yeah. uh, it's really hard to answer. So, um, it, it takes a lot of patience. It takes from, I, I know firsthand that I'm really, I'm really hard on myself. If you're really hard on yourself through that transition, you're only going to create more resistance and mm-hmm. just trying to find a way to, to accept that path and, and just be patient with the process, throw as many irons in the fire as possible. See which, see which ones, you know, 
burst into flames and, and uh, see which ones just fizzle out and be, be willing to let go of those things. Don't force a, a square peg into a round hole. So yeah. um, obviously your story is, is perfect for this, this show uh, and what we're trying to do this second season and sharing that. Um, I really thank you for taking the time out of your day um, mm-hmm. to, to share, share your heart and, and share your passions and, and your transition uh, out of re out of an NHL career, a very successful yeah. one and into more, more reality. And uh, I, I hope our listeners really appreciate um, what you had to say. Well, thank you. And I love the topic of the transition and, and, and it applies for everyone. It's not just athletes, but I do talk to a lot of, you know, cause I get questions from former players and other guys. Sometimes if they're thinking about retirement, I, lots of other buddies that have just retired in the last year, two years, three years, and just like, how's it going? And everyone deals with it differently. I know, I know some buddies that have really struggled, um, with it. And I know some guys that it's been a breeze and, and, I don't want to sit here and say it's been easy for me because it's always a challenge when a big part of you changes. I look back sometimes like, man, I don't get to hang out with my friends after games. They don't, they get to experience that. There's, there's things that you miss, no question. Um, But it's trying to find a transition into passions. Like you said, irons in the fire, figure out what do you like? What are your passions? What, um, what do you want to do now? And, and, you know, over time you'll figure it out and and you definitely you know sometimes you have to do stuff just for the sake of doing stuff because you got to work and pay the bills and other times it depends on your whole situation but i look at my boys now and my my you know my what do i want to do as a dad i mean the biggest thing is okay help help them find their passions find their gifts okay god's given us all different gifts and help them to implement that, use it, encourage them, whatever that is. I, I, I think my oldest son, Isaiah, I don't think he's going to be an athlete, but who knows, but like, what is he good at? You know, and then Jacob, maybe he will be an athlete, but trying to help them. And that's kind of like me. I'm trying to figure out, you know, exactly where God's going to lead, but really it's just about sometimes, I know we talked about earlier uh, yesterday, just about, you know, I felt like you're doing, you know, for me, it's like, I'm playing the NHL and I have this platform and, you know, I'm doing something big, you know, I'm doing something big for God, but that doesn't have to be that. It's just simple little things day to day that are just as important that no one ever sees that God sees that can be more important than those big things that everyone sees, especially now in social media age, you know? So I kind of had to you know, sometimes we all look for those big things, you know, but you know what, those little character building things are just as important that I know I need to work on. I'm trying to work on. And, and, uh, those are all really important too. But, um, you know, I, I know I'm kind of rambling now, but I love your podcast and hopefully it can help a lot of people. I've, I've leaned on, I know we talked about our mutual friend, Tim Burke, he retired too as an athlete. So he helped me kind of through the process, he actually, when I retired the first time, came to town and we spent two days in prayer and hanging out and talking about that transition. So I'd encourage people, you know, whether it be job transitions, whatever, just talk to other people that have been there. You know, it helps a lot just to try and instead of trying to do it on your own, you know, and I know you absolutely. And, and I don't, too. I don't know if you, if Tim ever shared this part with you, but there was a point I was playing in the KHL and I was, I was like, I, first time ever in my career, I was looking at my Jersey. I'm like, I don't want to put this thing on. I don't even want to play anymore. <laughs> and it was like the scariest thing. And I think there were a lot of things going on in my life. I was lonely. I was in, in Belarus uh, away from all my friends and family. And I was exhausted from the schedule and the travel. And those are two really bad things to to have in your life while you're making a major life decision. You can't go off of that feeling that you have mm-hmm. in the moment. And I, and Tim really anchored me down through prayer in that one. And he just, he, he took the time out of his day to, to say a big prayer for me. And it was really funny because the next day we were hopping on a plane from Belarus all the way to, to Shanghai and we, we, I mean, it was a long flight and we had a, we had a pit stop in, in Siberia 
uh, to refuel the plane on the way. And I was like telling him like, Tim, the last thing I want to do is hop on this plane. And he's like, Jack, you got to go. So we, we, we said the prayer right before that night, night before we left for, for Shanghai. And I ended up long story short, getting stuck in Shanghai for a week. I lost my passport. And I just remembered chuckling. I was just like, okay, God, you know, like this is, I, I'm stuck here. I can't get, I can't get out for at least a week. So I, I rested. I got the most sleep I've ever gotten in my life. I think that week. And by the end of that week, I was just super passionate about getting back. And, and I started working out in the middle of the night at the, the hotel gym. And I just, my, my mindset switched back to, okay, I got to come back and I got to be better than I was before. And it was just, it was a life changer. And just that power and having somebody there in your life as a mentor, yeah. as a close friend, somebody yeah. that can tell you the truth that you need to hear. And I, that's something that yeah. I've learned, especially through my wife and my relationship with her and the friends that we have locally in Park City is you have people in your life that can, can drain you, you know, yeah. and, and they, can, they can take away uh, instead of um, – lift you up, like you said. And I think it's important to tune into that as well in a transition period, especially, but just in life in general is making sure the people that you're surrounded by are lifting you up and you're doing the same for them. And if this person's taking away more, uh, whether it's energy or they're creating negative, negative energy in your life, it's important to, you don't want to just cut them out of your life, but maybe keep them at a distance and and set those boundaries. I think it's so important. And having guys like Tim Burke, now I know you mentioned the Bible study group that you have. I'm sure there's a lot of great men in those that, that are uplifters. And I think it's so, so important for our listeners to hear that that you need to have somebody, whether it's a therapist, a a mentor, a close family member, a close friend, somebody that's willing to sit down with you in the mud and tell you the truth. Yeah. And, and um, that will make it way easier, a, a lot yeah. more of a smoother process. No, I couldn't agree with you more, for sure. I, don't, I mean, I know lots of people that, you know, just talking through therapy. You know, I feel like my men's group is like a therapy group, you know, for kid, raising kids, for marriage. You know, marriage isn't easy. You get two different people that can be selfish and, you know, working through different stuff, you know, marriage isn't easy and having someone that's probably gone through the same thing and to talk about and vent and, you know, it helps so much for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and, and, um, I, I know that you're kind of in, in a little bit of a quarantine right now and yeah. you really want to, talk about it well, too much I, but uh, i have nothing to do for the next 10 days because i got the covid so thank goodness i'm feeling good so but yeah i mean if you want to do episode three tomorrow holler at me bud <laughs> <laughs> all right sounds good man well thanks for joining us and uh, i hope our listeners i hope you guys enjoyed this episode really thank mike for sharing his heart and uh opening up his world to us and i hope you all took something from it and please comment on uh you know hammer media's instagram page i am off social media now um I, I made that decision it was a long process to decide that but um completely off social media so uh mention mention this on uh hammermedia.com's instagram page or on the website and uh let us know give us some feedback what are some other topics you'd like to uh, us to bring up in this season or for future seasons so thanks for tuning in and mike um martin thanks again for for joining us enjoyed it thank you see you buddy all right take care